Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody? Gibbs here with number 457 on the Rolling Stones top 500 greatest albums of all time. It's Sinead O'Connor with I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. This album was Sinead O'Connor's second studio album, released March 20th of 1990, recorded 1988 through 1989 at STS Studios in Dublin, Ireland. The genre of this album is rock and folk. It was released on Enzyme and Chrysalis label. Producer Nellie Hooper, Sinead O'Connor, Chris Burkett, and Sean Devitt. There are 10 tracks on this album, and 4 of them were released as singles. That is Jump in the River, Nothing Compares to You, The Emperor's New Clothes, and Three Babies. This album was a very big commercial success, as it was nominated for multiple Grammys in 1991, including Record of the Year, Best Female Pop Vocal Performance, and Best Music Video Short for... Nothing compares to you, and it brought home the award for Best Alternative Music Performance. However, O'Connor refused to accept the nominations and the awards. This album charted as number one in the majority of the world, with it still receiving top five charting spots in all of the world. With charting positions like that, it's no surprise that this album did sell really well throughout the world, as it would be certified platinum in Australia... Gold in Austria, five times platinum in Canada, platinum in France, platinum in Germany, platinum in the Netherlands, platinum in New Zealand, platinum in Spain, two times platinum in the United Kingdom, and two times platinum in the United States. This album, like some of the others that we've covered, was on the 2012 version of the Rolling Stone Top 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list, and it was ranked at 408. So it took a little bit of a fall as well as those other ones, but maybe not as a significant of a fall as, say, a Jefferson Airplane. Being honest, the only song that I had really heard from her up until this album was her rendition of Nothing Compares to You, which was originally written by Prince, and so this is a cover of it. And probably, if we're being honest... This song is the reason this album was as popular as it was and sold as many copies as it did because at the time you didn't have these streaming services where you could only pick a song to download and say forget the rest of the album. You had to buy the whole album to get the song unless it was to happen to be released as a single and then maybe you could buy just the single. Not saying that the rest of the album is bad. Just saying that this is obviously... Nothing Compares to You is the standout song from this album. And probably the go-to song that everyone thinks of when they think of Sinead O'Connor. This album opens up with Feel So Different. Which starts with the Serenity Prayer. And then goes more into the song... And I felt like this was a pretty good opening for the album, as just the beginning prayer is enough to kind of draw you in. And then 
you get her vocals throughout this album and it starts with this song as there's a very heavy reverb on it. It sounds like she's recording in a empty opera house with how much reverb that they have on this as her voice just seems to really echo and fill up some space. But I love throughout this album how she uses her voice as it's not only with that reverb effect, but she really draws back and almost makes you strain to listen sometimes as she brings her voice down to this whisper before really belting out a point that she would like to make. And her transition between that whisper and that power in her voice is just really something amazing to hear. And as well as her control, as she has this ability to make her voice crack up into that higher registry but she has control enough of it to where it stays on pitch which is great if you are able to add that into your arsenal and stay on pitch because a lot of people would maybe crack to the wrong note but she has that ability to kind of just give you that little crack up into the upper registry and it sounds really great with her voice and it was a style that she used throughout this whole record now having only heard nothing compares to you by her really the first four songs kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop as they weren't really constructed as songs nothing compared to you has that verse chorus dynamic there Whereas the majority of the first four tracks are all just maybe like a written, sang poem. And there are parts of it that musically you can tell it's the chorus, but lyrically it changes. It's never the same repeated chorus as you find in the majority of songs. Also on these first four tracks, she just really fills up the majority of the song with lyrical content not allowing a lot of music interpretation but really putting out there what she is trying to tell you which is a story a neat song but there was a lot of lyrics to read through and she sings through a lot of these parts of the song and keeps the lyrics going as I haven't really seen that much lyrical content in the majority of these albums with the exception of the rap and hip-hop genre where you get that rapping so there's more lyrics fit into a song. But these were all long songs and she had a lot to say in them. Some of these songs were reaching almost seven minutes in length. And she basically kept this formula, like I was saying, through the first four tracks, which the second track actually wasn't hers. It was written by Philip King. It's called I Am Stretched on Your Grave. And actually, it dates back pretty far. It's a 17th century poem that was written in Irish. Then the poem was translated into English by Frank O'Connor. And then Philip King composed the song in 1979 so this is a rendition of that and it still fit her music style though you would think that in listening to 
at least the first four tracks, that this was one of her songs as it fit well with her writing style, as it seemed she was writing poems and more so setting them to music. The fifth track is where you start to see the difference in this album and the difference in the song structure. You get more of the verse-chorus dynamic. It starts with Black Boys on Mopeds, where she really starts getting into setting up a verse, then repeating a message, another verse, repeat that same message, which in this track was a pretty negative message against England and what they really were at the time, according to Sinead O'Connor, as she talks about the black boys on mopeds being shot by the police, and she talks about wanting to move her kid out of there. So basically her kid isn't raised in a world where government is treating their own people like that, which is a very relatable track to a lot of things going on today, at least here in America. So this track really sets up the song structure for the next few tracks on the album, which you have Nothing Compares to You coming next, then Jump in the River comes after that, and you get that same kind of style. But you start getting a little more band involved in Jump in the River, as it's more of a full band arrangement, and most of this album is a lot of just orchestral arrangements matched with her very soft vocals. You don't get a lot of loud percussion. There's a few tracks that feature a more rock style guitar, drums, that kind of thing. But the majority of this album, I would say, is more folk and almost Irish folk as even... I think it was I Am Stretched on Your Grave. It has a what sounds like a pop kind of drum beat in the background, but it maintains this orchestral sound and her vocals match a lot of what she does on this album. And she manages to work a little more of the Celtic feel in towards the end of it, where you get more of a violin feature after jump in the river you get you cause as much sorrow which kind of starts reverting back to how she was at the beginning of the album but you still have a definite verse and a definite chorus although by the end of the song the chorus does manage to switch up a little bit of the wording in it to relate to a different point in the story then by the last two tracks on the album she goes right back to where she was at the beginning of the album, where it's more of just a poem set to music. Which brings me to the track that I like the least on this album. And unfortunately, it's the title track, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. This piece is just an acapella piece featuring one vocal track, which has the same reverb effect on it that she had been using throughout most of the album. And it's not that catchy of a melody. She keeps... It's almost like a chant 
that she's doing, but the words are changing, so it's not exactly a chant, because I think in a chant you would have to be repeating the same thing over and over again. But this is a poem set to a chant-like rhythm, and it is way too long. This goes on for six minutes, and it's the same repetitive melody over and over again, and it just gets boring after a while. I felt like it dragged on way too long, and it was a really weak finish, I think, to this album. I don't know how I really expected the album to end, but this just didn't seem like it was the right way to end it. I thought maybe you started the album with the serenity prayer, maybe you find a different prayer to end out the album and just change things up a little bit, kind of add a whole conceptual direction to this album by opening it and closing it with a prayer. But this track just way too long and just got boring after a while. I found myself just waiting for it to finally be over so I could get to doing this review, but it seemed like it would never end. So after the six-minute song and the album finally ends, I'm sitting there and I'm wondering, where does this really fit in with everything that I've listened to on this list so far? Because from an album sales standpoint, it sold remarkably well and better than the majority of the albums that we've went through so far. I think maybe a few might have had more sales than this one. But at the same time, and I don't usually side with Rolling Stone on a lot of these, but I get why this one did take a bump down. As it's not that strong of an album as a whole. Really, I think if it's not for the song Nothing Compares to You, this album doesn't sell nearly as many copies as it does. That song alone is responsible for the majority of the popularity of this album, I believe. So it's kind of hard for me to keep this one at a better placement than some of the albums that we've gone through that have had more consistency throughout the album when it came to writing good songs. Yes, there were four singles off this album, but other than nothing compares to you, unless you're a big Sinead O'Connor fan, can you really say that you've heard the rest of them? I don't remember hearing those on the radio. Grand who, I was like one year old when these released, but you still, you don't hear them played today at all. It's not something that has really aged well enough to where you still hear them played on classic rock or classic anything stations you hear nothing compares to you that's all you hear off this album really so for the reasoning that i believe this album was only popular for one song and not as an album collectively i am moving this one back a little farther than rolling stone had originally did and i'm putting it at 463 which is just below bon ivor and again, that is for the reasoning that I believe the rest of these artists in front that I have put in front of her had done a better job of 
writing a complete album and giving you multiple songs to want to buy the album for. So that will make Jason Isbell the new 457 for the time being. Disagree with me on this or just want to let me know what you're feeling? You can always reach me, The Rolling Review, at yahoo.com. Or go on over to Facebook and like in the Facebook fan page by searching at The Rolling Review, where you can see the updated version of the list and chime in on what you think. I have a spoiler for the next episode as I think that Jason Isbell is going to continue to move up as we go through Al Green's Greatest Hits at number 456. And in case you forgot what I think about Greatest Hits, we'll hit that up next time. Until then, I'm Gibbs, this is The Rolling Review, stay safe, and be kind.